Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. I'm going to be joined here in just a little bit on the Blue Wire Podcast Network by John Colosimo for our usual Friday visit. I needed to be known that as the Browns are pushing through injuries, the same sort of perseverance is happening on this podcast. I have started to come down with the family sickness. My voice is terribly raspy right now. I apologize for that. It's been floating here all week. I thought I avoided it, but uh, just like a like an IRS debt, it caught up with me at the worst possible time as we head into the weekend. And John Colostimo will join me here. He just got off a plane not too long ago, so we are committed to a 12.40 a.m. Eastern Time recording because we love you and we love the Browns, and give us a pat on the back. John, what's up, man? <laughs> well, you know, you summed it up pretty good. Yeah, it's been a long, long day, uh, and I am excited to uh, cap off my day before I hit the rack by talking about the Browns. Well, we'll start with some of the people around the Browns. I should say that this is the as the Packers go into a hostile environment in Arizona, get the win with uh, with the Browns Jets level wide receiver core out there. It's it's something I think we need to talk about. John has called me out as nicely as possible several times for screwing up the lines and saying that three points is the given for a home team anymore. But it's like home field advantage in the NFL is just gone, John. Like teams don't get any advantage. I don't know if it's the new modern stadiums, a lack of like that sort of stuff where teams used to feel like the opposing crowd was all on top of them. I'm not sure, but it's gone and it seemed to turn into a motivation business. The nobody believes in us narrative that makes you almost hyper like focused on the details and makes you believe that you're going to be able to get this done and you have an obstacle to overcome. Think of the Browns in the wild card with no coach and missing Joel Batonio and all of that that was going on. Think about the Cardinals coming into Cleveland, right? And, 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 missing all of the pieces they were missing and getting a win and then think about I don't know the Browns Thursday right I mean I knew that was at home but you just you just almost have to look more in my opinion at like the motivational factor surrounding the game maybe unless like hey they're playing in Seattle that's gonna matter you know that's that's where I'm at with it am I missing something do you think there's some stadiums that still matter or are we just trending in this you know the NFL is so motivation based and guys need a reason to get up rise up and do their job because we forget we stopped playing so long ago and we played so passionately, we care so passionately that we don't understand that this is a job to these guys, right? No, absolutely. Um, you know, and I don't know. You know, I think you're right. You know, as much as I have brought up that there is no real home field advantage anymore, typically, you know, the books are giving you a point to two points, not the the old school three. Um, you know, and there's graphs. And I'll do one of those things where I um, – I replied to um, the podcast tweet with graph because there's good graphs on this of the deteriorating uh, home field advantage in the NFL. So I'll link that. Uh, but yeah, I think that you, while, you know, while I may have corrected you on the home field advantage stuff, you've been very good at pointing out these motivational factors, which I think do matter. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think that there's some motivational factors involved and home field just isn't what it used to be. And I think there's two catching teams after like 
emotional win. The Bengals is a perfect example to me. Coming yeah. the Ravens coming off of this emotional stretch of games where they they overcame so many different variables and so many different games for these improbable wins, and then you know, sort of similar where the Ravens caught L.A. I think the perfect time too, coming off a West Coast travel game now where you're back in the East Coast and you just got an emotional comeback win over the Browns. I don't know some of that stuff. Like, I don't think we can take it for granted. You know, so. I'm not sure if there's a scientific thing to it yet, but I don't I don't think we can ignore it like we used to in years past. There's just like the elements of social media, uh, you know, you're always reading people's opinions about you and that kind of pisses you off and you take it personally and you find a way to get motivated and that seems to sometimes be the difference, you know. If someone keeps telling you the Browns are going to beat the Cardinals, going to beat the Cardinals, they're missing all these pieces, you play almost less focused in my opinion, which sounds weird, but I think it can be a thing, something that at least I don't ignore anymore, teams catching teams at the right time or catching motivational factors. I think it's something that's probably not talked about enough because I don't think you can always quantify it. You just kind of you just kind of feel it out. I thought this Thursday night game was like a perfect example. I was talking to some friends before the game. I'm like, this is like the ultimate nobody believes in us game in prime time, and it panned out that way. So switching over to the rest of the AFC North, which we should, I guess we have to start taking the Bengals serious now, right? They're They're playing... I think they play the Jets this weekend, so they're going to be six and two. And I don't know, man. I, I guess I guess they're serious. Where do you sit with the Bengals? And then I'll sort of uh, feed off what you got. All right. Well, uh, how I would say it is that uh, I think it's fair to say that this defense is pretty solid, and that probably is the biggest uh, move off the priors that I've got. You know, is that their defense has been the one consistent thing the whole year. Um, the offense has gotten better and better and better. Uh, I still, I'm not sure that they're not a seven and 10, eight and nine team. Once everything settles, you know, I know that, um, I know there's reasons to, to, to move completely off that. I'm not ready to do that. I'm going to need to see them after this week. Uh, who do they pay? Um, yeah, not this week, but uh, the week after they play a tougher team, and that will be my – well, actually, the week after is the Browns. So show me they beat the Browns, and then I'll start taking them a little seriously. Yeah, they go uh, Browns, right. they go Browns and Raiders. Uh, so yeah. That, Browns, Raiders, then they get Pittsburgh at home, and then they have, uh, they have the Chargers at home too. So it does spice up a little bit for them. Yeah, I just can't. Um, I just can't buy in fully until I see it myself. Um, you know, against our team. So show it to me against the Browns, which will be a hobbled version, I'm sure, still. Um, and then I'll start to believe you. But right now, uh, what I'll acknowledge is that the defense is better than anticipated. Um, so that's a real thing. And the offense is pretty good, which I, I thought they would be pretty good. But I still think, you know, Jamar Chase is covering up a, a whole lot of flaws uh, from Joe. I think that he's taking some almost turnover where he plays and taking them to the house, um, which, you know, good for good for Bengals, good for Jamar Chase. But uh, I'm not going to believe in them truly as a team. Uh, unless they can beat the Browns in two weeks. Yeah, they their next five will tell us a real thing. I think the Browns game. Agreed. Will, the Browns game will really tell us a lot too. Obviously, but um, 
Yeah, they're they're interesting and they're friskier than we thought they were. I thought they were. Yes. Their defense is playing better collective football. The talent to me is we talked about how the Browns talent is is higher than the sum of the parts right now. Uh probably still true as we mentioned that a few weeks ago. I think the Bengals talent individual talent is worse than what the sum of their parts is doing. So that to me is uh pretty big, right? You can have pretty average talent on defense, but if you play the right way and you play as a group and you get things done, you can overcome. So yeah, let's let's shift to to, to Baltimore. Um you know, I, I still think Baltimore is the team to beat in the division, even though they had this stinker. They've had stinkers like this before. And uh you know, I don't I don't know. Baltimore still has a lot to prove. I don't know who Baltimore has coming up. I haven't even really looked at Baltimore to be honest with you. I should probably Not do much. that. As I prepare, as I prepare as a podcast uh, host here to talk about the Baltimore Ravens, uh, let's see, let's pull up their schedule. We're doing this in real time, folks. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> Brown, no, let's just look at the Ravens and see what they're five and two now. Or are they? Yeah, they're five and two. Um, how does Google work anymore? I, don't, I apparently can't figure it out. <laughs> they have Vikings at home this Sunday. No, they're off this week, and then they go Vikings at home, at Dolphins, at Bears. Yeah, there's some wins there, at Pittsburgh, and then they host Cleveland. So there's some wins there. They'll be probably 8-3 and three by the time they play Cleveland. So, you know, how are you feeling about Baltimore? Same, similar, less dangerous after watching Cincinnati do that to them. I think they exposed... Again, Baltimore thinks they can play a bunch of man to man, and I just don't. I just don't know if they can. Agreed. You know, like you gotta watch out uh, with with regards to Baltimore. They got uh, you gotta watch how the narrative develops, right? So they come in, they they beat the crap out of uh, L.A. and that was right after the Browns have the big shootout, and there's emotions. Uh, you know, L.A. is coming all the way across town to do that. Uh, so you don't want to like overreact. So like they beat LA, they get the giant reputation that, uh, you know, is included with beating the crap out of LA. And then they go and they lay a stinker against Cincinnati. And so you just like, you know, it all kind of weaves together in a narrative sense. So you got to like probably discount that win against LA a little bit. Uh, you know, the, and also discount Cincinnati's win as a little bit less than maybe you would have thought right away uh, because I don't think that Baltimore is as good as people thought they were two weeks ago, uh, and I don't think that people should be looking at Cincinnati as as good as a team that whoops on, uh, you know, a top-level NFL team like the Ravens, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I think that just the narrative kind of feeds itself. And I think I'm just trying to muzzle both of those things and end up, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I don't necessarily think that I've moved off my priors that much. I no, that no, I get it. Yeah. And I think, I think you can't get too high or too low in this whole thing. And you definitely have to understand that since, and to me, it's this, We've been pretty spot on on Pittsburgh. I still think they're a relative disaster, and I, I don't see, other than their culture being a factor in them thinking they should win games, I don't necessarily think that they're very good. The talent, when you look at their roster, it's got some gaping holes and some guys are playing really badly that they can't afford right now. But Baltimore, to me, not as good as people have been painting them. Now, the schedule's going to really benefit them here soon. Not as good as people have been painting them, but 
Cincinnati better than I think I think we we gave them credit for. Not that they're a world-beating organization or, or, or franchise right now, but I do think they need to be taken more serious. I mean, even CBS, I think I saw today, or Brad Stanbrook let 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 out that Nance and Roma are going to Cincinnati for a Cincinnati Cleveland game. Like what? So there's some expectations now. We'll see how Cincinnati handles expectations because they really haven't had those in a, in a long time, John. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, like the record alone makes you take them pretty seriously. You know, however they got there, it doesn't matter. Like that record is something to be dealt with uh, for a team that is looking to make their way in this division like the Browns. So um, there's a little bit of last year where you start counting wins and you look at their schedule. You're like, okay, those look like wins. They're probably going to get to 10. And it's like, who you, you really can't slip up within this year, especially since Cleveland has this schedule that's just sitting there and has a lot of challenges after these next four. The Browns, I'm almost borderline they have to go 4-0. I really am. Yeah, I, I really think if you want to contend the rest of the way, you have to find a way to go 4-0 over these next four, which might seem daunting, but is it? Like, really, is no. it? You know, like, you no. know, if you can no. beat these two division teams you should beat, then you play, and it's never easy to go to New England, but... You're a better football team, and then you host the Lions. You, if you, the worst you can do is seven and four. The best you should be aiming for, obviously, and I think they are, is eight and three when you get to the doubleheader with with Baltimore. So, you know, I, I much like this podcast, we talked for 13 minutes. We probably said nothing, but I, I think it's good to point out some of the things about Cincinnati being a little better than we thought, and Baltimore kind of getting leveled off where they should. People understanding their flaws, and that's a funny thing to me is like. We all complain about Joe Woods. Don't get it twisted. I do sometimes too. But Baltimore's given up 400 passing yards four times this year. I think. How do you think the the socialites in Cleveland would handle that? If you want, hey, if your answer is to blitz, 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 and play man and beef is well, that's the the outcome you could get. So pick your poison, my friends. Think about that before you lay your head on your pillow. Well, we're <laughs> going to be doing that. They won't hear that till the morning until you drink your coffee or whatever. So uh, different trains of thought there and. You know, the opposite side, the grass isn't always greener theory with this stuff. So uh, let's talk about Pittsburgh. Uh, Give me your general thought on this game, and then we'll dive into a little bit of data and talk about how the Browns can beat these guys. Well, you know, personally, I think that uh, they definitely have the pass rushers to to make this. Let's let's just like pretend this is going to be a Case Keenum game. Um, It seems if it's a Case Keenum game, 
it seems an awful lot like a mirror match, you know, like where you've got teams uh, with defenses that can shut things down. You've got extremely limited corner uh, quarterbacks. Um, you know, the difference being, you know, the Browns have a much better offensive line, which hopefully shines through. But I think it should make for a close game. It shouldn't be like a blowout. Um, you know, uh, if Baker's in and he can hit some of these uh, more vertical throws than what Case Keenum is capable of, then it can change that a little bit, I think. But, uh, you know, I think this whole four game stretch is something where we'd like to go 4-0, but every one of them will probably be a little bit of a dogfight. That includes, uh, you know, Detroit. You know, they, I mean, they, they're... They're throwing everything in the kitchen sink against any opponents that they fight against. You know, um, as much as I've, you know, made fun of Dan Campbell a little bit, uh, he... Yeah. They play hard. Yeah, they really do. They yeah. they really play hard, and uh, he's doing a pretty good job there, I think. So, um, you know, bringing it back to Pittsburgh, I think it's just, like, similar to this four-game stretch where it's just going to be, like, you know, th- none of these are games are going to be easily won, but they're games that we should win. So that's how I see it. You know, we get both tackles back. Uh, that'll be huge. Um, and I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to move the ball against those guys and take home a win. You know, they now, you know, if Case is in there, they don't have to defend half the field, then uh, that's definitely an advantage for the Steelers overall, but it's not an advantage that we don't have on the other side of the ball. So to me, you know, just well, address it, John, address, address Baker. I mean, like it's two days of practice. Seems like he's going to play. And I presume there's never going to be a debate, John. If he says he's able to play, the doctors give him approval. He's going to play. It's never, Hey, Kevin sits here and talks to, uh, Baker and they decide like you can tell through Baker's conversations he has with the media if he can play he's going to play it is not Kevin saying hey man I know you run to play no you got approval but we just think case is better that's not the case no pun intended I think they're definitely <laughs> going to be Baker can go he's our guy he's gonna play if he can't go then we'll have case step in but there is no like we've seen some of these debates on socials and it's like there's no debate the debate is only from the Brown standpoint if Baker well, can play or not yeah, if, yes. if Baker can play or not. There is no, we think Case will do better here. Even if that were true, they won't do that. They're, they're, they're way too committed to Baker, it feels like. Oh, I agree. Uh, you know, if Baker can go, as doctors clear him, he's going to play. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, look, you know, it took Baker a few years to be able to understand and deal with this Steelers defense. Um, you know, and I'm sorry, but anybody that I, I get, like, case last week and maybe case against the rest of these next four games but case against this Steelers team is a different story and they will know it's almost like a Bill Belichick versus a rookie quarterback thing in my mind um you know they will abuse case if you know if he's in you know he was he was solid much more um let me put it this way uh, he was much more aesthetically pleasing as a quarterback, but his numbers, like EPA wise, things like that, that weren't better than Baker injured. No. You know, like people, you know, people want to like make um, 
you know, big points about this. Oh man, this is so good. But I'm telling you right now, like his EPA numbers were not better than Baker's when he was in. It was just a little more pleasing to not see him, uh, you know, miss something wide open like Baker has. Yeah. Uh, but numbers wise, not better, not better. And so, you know, he's going to come in, he's going to go against the Steelers. That's a bad scenario. That's a bad, bad scenario uh, for, you know, TJ Watt's been playing very well uh, and even having the tackles back, you know, Baker has uh, invaluable experience against this Steelers defense in my mind that just, you know, and, and point blank, you know, they have to respect him vertically and they just don't with, with case. I mean, you know, that was one thing that was just so readily apparent where, you know, case is very efficient in making sure he hits these things inside 15 yards. He tries to throw outside of 15 yards. Oof, it is, it's a struggle. Yeah. It's a struggle to get there. Ball so, just drifts a little bit on him, man. It's obvious to see it doesn't, he doesn't have, he doesn't have NFL torque on a football. It's, I mean, not, not to that extent. He has to play with immense anticipation john immense anticipation Agreed. and that's Agreed. you know that's okay it's okay for spot starts and things like that but when you need serious games even if baker is beat up you still have a better chance there which i would agree with i think people are having these debates and they're wasting their time well shut baker down he should uh, is a hurt baker uh <laughs> right you know is a hurt baker the same as case keenum it doesn't matter what your opinion is on that and me too i've made opinions it doesn't matter He's going to play. He's going to play yep. because that's how he's wired, and they're going to let him play if he's approved to play. So I would stop wasting your air on that because it's not going to change. And, like, I I completely get it. Baker's driven by that stuff, man. He wants to be out there for his dudes. You could see it eating at him in the Thursday night game. And I did feel for him when he made the quote the other day that, you know, I went through everything here. I went through all the turmoil, and I came out on the other side, 53 straight starts, and it broke me down to, to miss a start. So he cares. Nobody can ever, ever question whether he cares or not. Uh, but, you know, we'll see if it works out. It's a risk, John. It's a risk. No matter what way they spin it here, it's a risk. He could get worse. You could end up with nerve damage in a shoulder. It, it can always, always, always get worse. But he wants to do it, and more power to him. They're going to clear him, and he's going to play, and it won't be a debate. There will not. I don't even care if he plays poorly in the Pittsburgh game. It's not a debate. He'll be the dude every week until they shut him down for medical reasons. So, and I want to say one other thing before we move on from that. Like, I don't want to hear anybody talking about like you know bad motivations for this. Baker really does want to be out there because he wants to win. It's not you know, it's not about a contract. It's not about those other things. Like, you know, Baker wants to be out there. Uh, with his guys because yeah. he practices with them, he wants to win, and he feels like he's the best option. If it he were if it were contract right. based, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll say this, and then you can. I, I just want to make sure to to caveat what you said because you're right. If it were contract based, he would already shut it down because you can easily yes. spin the narrative. If you shut it down, it's so easy to spin what happened this year, in my opinion. So you know that's just where I'm at with it. But but. Uh, I don't know. Did you have anything else to say? I sometimes interrupt you like a jackass on, on occasion. No, no, you no. make really it's good all, points and I want to feed off of that. No, it's all good. You know, like I just I just wanted to say, you know, like this it's like you said, like that's a much more salient way to, to put this. Obviously this is not a contract thing, because if it was, you shut it down. All Baker right. thinks that he's the best option for this team. He may or may not be right about that. 
but, but don't his doubt his in, yeah. yeah right don't doubt his intentions on that don't doubt his you know um you know why he's going out there because it's not selfish it yeah. really isn't so that's a good point you know it may or may not be the best thing for the browns uh but you know baker's gonna get out there and he's gonna fight and uh let the chips fall where they may all right, I'm rolling like four throat lozenges deep. We got to really put a bow on this thing before too long, man. Not great over here, John. So let's talk <laughs> about how they beat the Steelers. I'm going to give you some data real quick, okay? They're still doing uh, – they brought in Matt Canada. Hey, we're going to do all these different things here. He's got the fly sweep package. He's got all these things. We can get Rainberry McLeod involved. Hey, man, they still are third and 11 personnel. They are still fifth in shotgun, 306 snaps, 81%. They still run the second most RPOs. They're 28th in play action percentage. They're second, this is all according to Sports Info Solutions, second in short drop back percentage. Same stuff. They don't do any designed rollouts. They sit in the middle of the NFL in screen usage. They don't throw the football downfield. They run against light boxes, but they don't get much in terms of positive play position rank, 25th in those light box runs. The Browns' offense is another discussion we'll have in a minute, but the defense has to dominate these guys. I mean, they have to play very, very well, and they need to create some turnovers. They should have no trouble pressuring Ben, getting him frazzled, and creating some turnovers, right? Absolutely. You know, I think it comes down to third down. You know, I think they're, like any other team that we face this year, they're going to shove down first and second down. It's going to come down to third downs, and Ben can't toss him too far in his – you know, advanced age. So uh, to me, it's going to, it's going to come down to those third downs. And I think that that matchup looks pretty good for the, for the Browns. Looks like they're going to be in a lot of nickel. So Troy Hill will see the field plenty. He's going to have to be a run support player, which he's been pretty good at this year. We'll see if they integrate Delpit in. They'll see if they bring Ronnie Harrison down more into the box and play more of that dime package stuff where they can um, maybe eliminate Malcolm Smith a little bit when they don't need him and can cover a bit more. I think this is a good game for that to be a lot because, you know, Pittsburgh is going to play three pretty good receivers, in my opinion. Pat Fryermuth has come along nicely, but they're still dealing with the quarterback play, which I think is bad. He can make all the little wise-cracking jokes about the Browns stadium and being the most winning quarterback. It's funny, but you're, you've been playing terrible. The thing that scares me, though, <laughs> as usual, is these chuck-up fade pass interference situations it just it's what they do it's annoying and it seems like the browns are never on the right side of it yeah uh you know last week we were a little bit less uh on the terrible side of things uh we were getting more five-yard penalties than the than the big 30 yarders uh downfield but there's not much you can do with underthrown balls and like that (laughs) that's a legitimate concern when it comes to ben right because uh you know, that that's the worst version of this penalty is when a quarterback chucks it downfield, it's way underthrown, then the DB obviously ends up getting in the way and they throw the flag. So you'd hope that they can avoid some of that, uh, but it's certainly something you got to look for. Uh, look for. Agreed. Agreed. They they need to be aggressive playing forward. I think last week there with Denver, they were too lazy, lackadaisical with approaching quarterbacks. Shoulders are pointing toward a throw to the flat. The hands are separated and we're still not breaking. You need to break. Second and tens can't be third and ones. Second and tens need to be third and sevens. Like that, that has to be a priority this week because Pittsburgh will throw the hell out of those. On defense, they get real weird, man. They are, they're top ten in personnel in two, four, five. 
344-326 and 236. So they like a lot of defensive backs and they like their their three down linemen fronts, sometimes two. Uh but the guys who are playing really well on defense are Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and they scare the hell out of me. Now last year in that playoff game, they neutralized them. Michael Dunn did as good a job as I've ever seen a human being do. I don't know if Cam Hayward was beat up, but he handled him. <laughs> He handled him really yeah. well, and their game plan was effective to take T.J. Watt out of the game. I think it's safe to say the game swings on managing those two players. And Batonio, as great as Joel is, has never really handled Cam Hayward very well in his career. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you're summing it up pretty well. I mean, it's all about what you can do against those couple of players. It, now it's going to be a big deal if we can get uh, both tackles back. You know, uh, we get the mini buy. We don't know how these guys are going to look. You know, uh, uh, for you know, for my money, last week I really appreciate Jed showing up, but he was still extremely limited. Now we've had ten days off. You get Jed back. Uh, you get uh, Conklin back. Big deal. But they've got to show up here. You know, uh, TJ's playing phenomenal football, and I think this is kind of you know you know how they they'll they'll also manufacture. They got like real power players, but they will also do those pseudo pressure type scenarios. So it's all about like how you handle that, and that that is really my like that's the genesis of my not wanting to see Case out there and valuing. Baker's experience is about those kind of pseudo pressures that they'll run and how, uh, you know, a quarterback handles that. There's no substitute for experience. Baker has it. He only just figured it out last year. Um, I'm not interested in seeing a quarterback who is extremely limited vertically try to figure that out on fly. Won't be fun. Pittsburgh is not playing well in the secondary in terms of safety play. I think Minka Fitzpatrick's below a 40 grade for the year. He's below a 30. <laughs> he's below a 30 for coverage grade. Now, coverage grades from pro football focus can be sort of strange sometimes. And who they assign blame to, I think I can have quabbles. And he runs like a really quabbles. weird spot, right? Yeah, like he's he, all over like the place. He, yeah. yeah. He almost, it's almost like a nickel type scenario where it's very, they put him in very difficult scenarios. They do. They do. They're a high one shell, uh, one high shell team. They're six most of usage in the NFL. In that, they run light boxes. Two hundred thirty four percent of snaps have been, you know, because you're DB heavy. You typically do that, but they don't stop the run very well to me. And that was something that uh, I think Seattle, even with Geno Smith, had really nice success with is inside the tackle box, running the football and getting physical with them because. You know, Alex Highsmith, Isaiah Bugs, Isaiah Loudermilk, some of these other guys they have are not playing well. And Devin Bush and Joe Schobert, and we know Joe. This is not even the Joe that we debated whether to keep or not. This is Joe Schobert on the decline. They really have to take advantage of Devin Bush not playing well post-ACL, and they have to take advantage of Schobert in some of those scenarios, too. I expect them to play to put pretty plenty of screens on the field, too, right? Yeah, I think that that's where the big swing is, right? Like, for me, when I watch this game... That's the the biggest swing in this game, even more so than how our offensive line handles the pass rush. Um, if our offensive line is able to get pushed forward and Nick Chubb is back and we're able to move the ball, like that is a big swing in this game. So like that's probably the biggest swing that um, 
that I could imagine happening in game. So that's what I would look for. You know, as soon as this game comes on, watch how this team, uh, you know, run blocks and how uh, how successful the Browns are in running the ball because that can neutralize the entire um, Steelers defense. I think. Yeah, they are. They're 11th in middle of the field close coverage, which would coincide with their one high shell they prefer to play. So uh, although they love to do that, John, they're 31st in positive play percentage. So they're giving up plays from that look. When and they that go, should like, yield something for them, right? Like sure. the single high coverage, you run that, like that's supposed to be a run positive you know, coverage for the defense, mm-hmm. right? It is. It is supposed to be, yeah. I mean, I don't have the, the run data here, but their pass data has yielded uh, some success. When they've been middle of the field open, which they've only played middle of the field open coverage 79 times, that's 20th in the league. They're second in positive pa- positive play percentage. So that's a huge, huge difference, which means Definitely. third and long, second and long, they're going to be MOF open, middle of the field open, and they're really good at that because they then – do some of those confusing coverages that make quarterbacks hold on to the football, and that lets T.J. Watt thrive, and that lets Cam Hayward do his thing, and Alex Highsmith against a beat-up Jed Wills can also do his thing. So it's unavoidable. You know, it's easy to sit here and be like, well, they really need to stay out of second and third and long. It's not going to happen all game. It's just football, man. You're going to find yourself in a lot of those. So how well they navigate those when we look back at this will tell a really big story. But getting Nick back, it sounds like, it seems like, knock on wood, he's trending toward playing confident Dearness Johnson they got a chance to run the ball really well in my opinion inside the tackle box because I think that they can take advantage of some issues that Pittsburgh has defending run inside the tackle box but it's um it's an interesting one I I could certainly see the Browns struggling to score but I could also see them finding some open looks and getting into the end zone more than people anticipate they blitz they've blitzed 55 times this year which is 14th in the NFL and 13%, 13th rank in positive play percentage off of those blitzes. So they're not really, really a heavy, heavy blitz team, but they will, if you get them into predictable pass situations, heat you up, or at least, like you said earlier, John, simulate pressures to make you think they are, and then get the one-on-ones for Cam and the one-on-ones for TJ, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, to me, like, I see this as being either uh, a slog, you know, a slog, that either the uh, Steelers or Browns could win based on coin flip type scenarios, whether it's fumbles or, you know, luck based scenarios, or I see, you know, the Browns could run away with it. I don't see it any other way. Um, You know, I think, I think those are the two scenarios that we are in. Either we are going, you know, either we are on our, you know, on our nails, you know, in the fourth quarter, uh, because we've been struggling to move the ball and they're struggling to move the ball. Um, or I think the Browns could also win a runaway, but I yeah. don't think that it could be something other than that. I think either, you know, it's going to be a close one or the Browns are going to dominate at the line of scrimmage and that will show itself on the scoreboard. Yeah, against Cam uh, Sutton and who took over for Mike Hilton and Joe Hayden, you have to find some opportunities to take advantage of wide receiver play. Seems like Jarvis Good. is going to play. They have got to find a way to unlock some wide receiver downfield throws. Have to, have to. You're spot on. If the unthinkable happens and Pittsburgh were to come into Cleveland and comfortably win or run away with it, then my meter goes full on 
panic mode because that is a really, really bad omen. Because I don't think this Pittsburgh team has some serious talent at, at some spots, but they're collectively as a 53, not a very good roster. And their quarterback is not good. Mm-hmm. So could Ben have a call back to years past and just play perfectly? Sure, it could. Uh, maybe he's got one more First Energy Stadium magic game for himself left in there. I, it would be so terrible if that happened, but it could happen. I just don't see that happening. And if the Browns let that happen, again, I would be full on like it's time to be concerned about where this year is going. But it should be yeah. a game that the Browns can win, should win. They're favored for the right reasons. And uh, I just I just think your two outcomes are spot on, a close Browns win or a game where Browns win 28-10, something like that. So, uh, yeah, so give me your final thoughts, John, and your uh, prediction here as we head out. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that the offensive line uh, does uh, dominate at the line of scrimmage. It matters that Nick Chubb is back, um, and hopefully we'll have Baker back um, to at least threaten vertically. Uh, and I think that we do win that uh, going away because I think that uh, any other outcome says a lot more about us than it does about the Steelers. So that's where I'm at. Very much agree. Great pod today, John. I appreciate you, man. I know these Friday pods are popular because you bring the good insight, my friend. We appreciate you very, very much. Yeah, I love being on here uh, even uh, after a, a day where my flights were delayed four different times. We still made it happen, and uh, I appreciate being here. So, yeah, man, we plug we go Browns. We plugged through the headphone <laughs> delay. We had a we really wanted to do a Monday release, but the headphone stuff happened. John and I both got new uh, new Apple AirPods. Listen, we're investing in this whole thing, folks. We care. We're making it happen. I hope you enjoyed today's pod. I hope you have a fantastic Friday. Your support means the world to myself, to John on this podcast. These Friday shows get really good coverage from you guys means the world to me your subscriptions your downloads all of it thank you so so much like i said have a great friday we'll probably if my voice holds up catch you for a weekend draft prospect podcast and game day podcast but we'll see where it goes it could go anywhere right now this voice could disappear on me by the time i wake up tomorrow which might be good for everybody in the long run at least my wife anyway have a great friday have a great weekend we'll talk soon we close with our usual go browns Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.